this is Paul. And this is Wayne. Well, hello, fellas. Hello, gentlemen. And, you know, Tim's not here this week because he's pulled a Disney. He's off creating his own Tim-only streaming service. Oh, God. You're about to tell me there's going to be another streaming service, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Disney has informed Netflix that uh, they are pulling their product and uh, walking out to make their own thing. You know, it's, it's that it's what we're seeing across media now that folks aren't wanting to have one place for their media outlet. They want to have their own place for, for their media outlet. Um, Disney realizes it's got a, a tremendous archive of material and why in the hell are they helping Netflix out? So while the Marvel uh, Netflix television shows will stay there, you know, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Defenders, Luke Cage, Iron Fist. Uh, there are other things like their movies, uh, other series that they have produced uh, that are not tied to Netflix will eventually be moving away from the Netflix for its own streaming service. Apparently, Netflix is in deep negotiations to hold on to certain things, but I don't, I, I'm pretty sure Disney's going to say, hey, once the contract's done, we're done. Yeah, and so you know Netflix. Netflix is already a good generator of media. I mean, they produce Stranger Things. Uh, uh, you know, they've got some other some other dramas on there. Of course, they uh, produced with Marvel the uh, the the Defender stories, um, and they recently signed an agreement this week with Mark Miller to yeah. uh, produce his stuff over there. So I mean, that that's a pretty good get sadly they don't get that and get to keep marvel at the same time but you know at least we don't lose our our marvel original series over there so i wonder how big of a hit that's going to be for them because besides marvel disney has a pretty big catalog that they're losing i think it's going to be a big hit because you know they've got the 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 Marvel superhero movies there. They've got obviously the kids movies, star Wars, um, clone wars. Yeah. Well, and if you, you know, when you, when you turn on your Netflix, you know, certain movies just pop up, you know, in the currently trending or most popular and it's always rogue one, Dr. Strange. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a big hit to Netflix. And despite how popular their series are, what the article that I read earlier in the week indicated that their movies do better than the actual series do, hmm. um, you know, both both valuable streams of business, but the the movies perform better in terms of viewership and downloads than uh, the series do. I really so, hate the idea of another streaming service, but maybe Disney will open its vault because they've always they've got that business practice of, you know, we have all these movies that we could have printing at any time, but we're going to put them away and not make them for a while and open the vault so. You know, and bring them out so we can charge like thirty bucks for a DVD. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what's sad if if Disney has its own streaming service, Netflix has its own streaming service because Netflix will still be around. They're they've now got Mark Miller, they've got Stranger Things, they've got yeah. the new Will Smith movie, and right. DC right. has already announced they're doing one. Like, am I going to be paying thirty dollars a month in streaming services? Because I'm going to cut way back on cable if that's the case. Well, and I think yeah. I think that's what's got the cable outlet scared, right? You know, uh, <laughs> HBO should really be reconsidering ending Game of Thrones because, uh, <laughs> you know, what what must see television is HBO running right now that's that doesn't involve a dragon. 
I, 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 I really question whether some of our pay TV services are going to be able to stay in business with the the breakup of all of this media. Well, and did you hear that, uh, you know, you mentioned about Mark Miller making the deal with Netflix. Did you hear that Robert Kirkman made a deal yeah. with Amazon? With Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to go do more of his, sky, I guess, Skybound stuff over there. Which is funny because, you know, other than Walking Dead, his stuff pretty much sucks. Like, is he yeah, going to well, make an it, Astounding Wolfman TV series for Amazon? Because I don't think people are going to buy that shit. Well, I, I don't find that. the I really liked that book. <laughs> I, I don't find that the rest of his stuff will translate real well to uh, television, whereas Mark Miller's stuff, I mean, I, I get really excited about that because Mark Miller does some great sort of, you know, uh, four books and done sort of, te- you know, concept tests that I, I often like, wow, this would be a fantastic TV show. You know, this would be a fantastic movie. Uh, you know, that, uh, oh gosh, what was the name of that Flash Gordon-like one that he did a, a year or so ago? Oh, that's uh, Star Starlight, I think. Uh, Star was it Starlight? I think it was Starlight. Yeah, that, that book was fantastic. And Huck, Huck would be super easy to produce into a television show. Yeah, but isn't all that stuff already licensed out for movies? I, I, I guess I think, I'm trying to figure out what's left. Is it everything yeah. going forward? Because I'm pretty sure Chrononauts, Huck, all that stuff was already signed up for movies. I think you're right. Yeah, I think all of that's but, licensed out to 20th Century Fox. Movie and TV rights aren't always the same. True. They could end up under different studios. It's all well, a case of how those contracts were written. And and Fox may have had a first pass deal. Like if you know, we get to take a look and see if we want to do it. If we don't want to do it, then you can take it somewhere else. Yeah. So. But who knows? But I mean, to become a more interesting place. Yeah. You know, I don't mind. You know, I don't mind my Amazon Prime streaming service because it rolls into my Prime membership. Yeah. It's not a separate bill. But I have a hard time believing that I'm going to go get me a Disney. Uh, a Disney streaming service. I do too, unless they have genuine original stuff, original content, which they will eventually, uh, yeah. you know, because that they, they can. And here's the thing. If Disney wants people to buy into it, all you need to do is release a star Wars TV show on yeah. it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you know, who, I say you will buy into a Disney streaming service. Parents, if they start throwing all of the old Disney cartoons on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's no I mean, there's a market for it. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm just not sure it's for me, you know, given the fact I mean, and you're right, Paul, it would have to be original content. It would have to be, you know, some sort of of fantastic original, you know, Marvel or Star Wars story that's going to bring me over because otherwise, you know, I buy those movies on Blu-ray anyway. Yeah. So why do I need the streaming service? That's how I feel about most streaming services, honestly. If, If it wasn't for the original content, I'm not sure I'd have Netflix anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the whole reason I have Netflix is, uh, you know, streaming Star Trek. Netflix. That way I can just watch Star Trek any, any, any damn time I want. <laughs> I don't yeah. have to get up and put a Blu-ray in, you know. But For yeah. me with the streaming services, I actually watch a lot of things on there that I wouldn't buy on DVD. Like, I like documentaries on Netflix. Yeah. Well, and there have been there, – there are some really great documentaries. And the, the nice thing about those documentaries is that they land on Netflix just a few weeks after they hit the theater. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you're absolutely right. Net, uh, documentaries is a great is a great uh, uh, thing to watch on Netflix. So, anywho, well, and they make Netflix so so user friendly now. Like if you're traveling somewhere that's not going to have Wi-Fi, like the plane, for instance, you can download the movies that the, the, the some of the movies and TV you want to watch. Uh, I love that. 
Yeah. I love, love that. It's very convenient. So, yeah. So, Paul, you know what else is really convenient? What is that? Mr. Miracle number one. In what way is this convenient, Aaron? Because I needed a Mr. Miracle number one. It was convenient that it arrived because I I, I really like me some Scott some Scott Free yes and uh, and some Big Barda and uh, it, it also came along with a gigantic Jack Kirby Mister Miracle sale on Comicsology and uh, you know I, I decided that instead of paying the mortgage this month I would just go ahead and buy them all. Well, that seems like a great a good business plan. It does, doesn't it? That's what I would do. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what Aaron asked himself exactly. WWPD. <laughs> uh, anyway, I I, 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 I was thrilled at all of the Mr. Miracle that was in my life this week because I, I had all kinds of, of retro Mr. Miracle as well as new and current Mr. Miracle. Paul, I know that as much as I love Mr. Miracle, you love him a little bit more. I, I, I adore the new gods. Um, you know, that, that Jack Kirby creation, just the the concept from a conceptual level i love everything about it uh, i love dark side and mr miracle and orion and high father and every, pretty much every character that's that's in the new gods even um light ray <laughs> but yeah you know, so mr miracle came out this week from tom king and mitch jared's and it is the the first of a 12 issue series and it is a very different take on on mr miracle um than, than we are used to uh, you know, it, it's so Tom King is the current writer on Batman. Uh, you know, he's written the Omega Men before that. Uh, a couple mm -hmm. of other things, obviously, the Vision for Marvel Comics, and um, didn't he do a round on Injustice as well? I think so. Yeah. Ooh, the Vision was such a good book. If it's the run, a the recent run, it is. Yeah, I mean, Tom King is he's we we talked about him when we were talking about Batman a couple weeks ago. Solid, solid writer, and so I was very excited about Mister Miracle. And I will tell you, I enjoyed this book. It was very different than I was expecting. Right. Yeah, it was not the carefree romp that you sort of expected, right? Uh, yeah. It was not. It was not bright colors and you know, kind of a a circus uh, mentality. Um, it was. It was dark, you know, and it was. It was. It is startling to see such darkness applied to a character who appears so light because this guy does not seem like the same guy that we met uh, in the pages of uh, Dark Side War, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it, it opens up, you know, spoilers. Uh, it opens up with Scott Free having slashed his wrists. Because, and we, we learn through the book that he's been able to escape every trap. The only trap he hasn't tried is death, and uh, it's it's interesting to see the characters around him respond to that suicide attempt, and you know, much as our own families might respond to a suicide attempt. Mm -hmm. uh, I <laughs> I gotta tell you, it was it was jarring to read this story because it wasn't the story I expected. But I sure did both appreciate and enjoy this book. I did too. You know, it is a very modern take in that, um, you know, I've read an interview with Tom King. And so the concept that he's going with here is that Mr. Miracle, you know, he, he was raised on Apocalypse and he has PTSD from that experience. Right. And, um, you know, meanwhile, Orion, who, you know, Orion is basically DC's kind of Wolverine in that he's always angry and they call him out on it. They're like, dude. 
like you were raised in luxury. <laughs> we were raised on apocalypse. So what are you so angry about? You know, you're the poor kid who got adopted by the by the rich family and lived a life of luxury. Meanwhile, you're 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 angry for nothing, basically, is what Big Barter calls him out on. Right. Um, which was the first time in both a- aspects. This is the first time I've seen these characters represented this way. And I enjoyed it. I, I, I did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, it's told in a very for me, it was almost very dreamlike. Yes. Um, the the scenes just kind of flow into one another without necessarily you know solid transition or anything like that. Sometimes you don't even know what you're reading is is a, a real story, right? Like there, well, there's a the, thing where he's on TV, and I'm like, is this real? Yeah, there's a very there's a very <laughs> tangible surreality to the book, right? The and you know there is a moment where he is being asked, you know, because he's like, well, you know, I did it because to see if I could escape death. And the interviewer goes, did you? And Scott's like, what? <laughs> and I mean, so you're, you're, and there are, there are moments like where he's talking to Bart and he's like, Barta, your eyes, they're brown. They're not blue. So yeah, it does feel like maybe this isn't real. Maybe he is in that space between life and death, you know, uh, you know, and he hasn't realized where he actually is uh, in the stream of things. Yeah. And you know, it's, it ends and I don't know where they're going with the book, which is great. You know, for me, it, yeah. uh, not knowing where it's going, because at the end of the book, it, it, Orion basically comes and says that, or not comes, he, he sends a message via Motherbox that a high father has been murdered um, by Darkseid, who has the anti-life equation. And so Mr. Miracle and Barda have to go to Apocalypse to, you know, to, to war. Right. Um, and it's 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 told in a very down to earth manner. Like he gets us, it's almost like he gets a cell phone call that he has to go to war and he, you know, he's still got this PTSD right. about going back to apocalypse and Barda yeah. whips his ass and says, let's go. Well, um, I do love that, that, that the way, uh, people from, <laughs> from, uh, apocalypse help people overcome their issues is by beating the crap out of them. Yeah. Because when, because, you know, people from, from, uh, from, from their old neighborhood come and see them right after Scott has attempted to commit suicide. So Orion shows up, you know, mother, uh, a boom tube appears in the living room. Boom. There's Orion. And he, he goes over to Scott and he's like, stand. And Scott stands up and Orion decks him. And it's panel after panel of Orion decking him, ordering him to stand and decking him again. Because that's how your how your big brother helps you get through things. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of the book, when uh, you know they got the call to go to war, he's like, "Barda, I, I can't do this. I'm not ready for this. There's something wrong with me." And she decks him and tells him to stand. And I'm like, "Huh? That's ther- that, That's what equates for therapy on Apocalypse." <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't surprise me, and you've sold me on the book. I just it's, bought it because it sounds really interesting. It is really good, and I will say, I mean, just as far as a technical thing, uh, it is built for digital reading. It is the the way that the panels scroll, the size of the panels really optimized. I mean, the way it works out is each panel winds up being a full page uh, for your for your uh, your pad. So I, I just. I, I just actually absolutely love this book. Well, and here's the thing. I know, and, um, you know, we, we can talk about the next book here in a second, but I will say one thing that I liked about the book is 
just the presence of the panels that say dark side is i know some people would not necessarily like that um they would feel it's just wasted or we get the point but for me it's kind of that impending dread that dark yeah, side no, is always there you know Absolutely. Yeah. No, it, it was pressuring the, the drama. Yeah. And you could feel it ramping up as you're moving through. No, I thought it worked really well. Yeah. I, I really liked it, especially now that he is the anti-life equation. Um, you know, I, I very much looking forward to the rest of the series and seeing where it goes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to that same token, I picked up Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number 26, um, because it had Orion on the cover. And I was like, oh, OK. And it's called Fall of the Gods, part one. Um, and I, I don't know if it's just coincidence, but it seems like it's relatively tied into metal as well that, um, mm-hmm. from DC comics, cause there's a lot of mention of metal and I'm a, you know, it's not specified as the nth metal or the ninth metal or anything like that. They're just referred to as metal. Um, these metal beings that kind of look like celestials, uh, mm-hmm. but long story short, this is Orion is being hunted by these celestial beings and, um, he he takes uh, the the Green Lantern Corps, uh, Kyle and Hal, uh, kind of help him, and it it ends on a cliffhanger. But I really enjoyed this book, and uh, it, it's funny because the interpretations of the Boom Tubes, you know, two books same week, Mister Miracle, the Boom Tube in is portrayed. Oh, not you know, it, it's there's there is a Boom Tube when Orion shows up, but it's not. It's, you know, it's just a little boom tube in the right. uh, in the living room, whereas in Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, it's a gigantic boom tube that knocks them off their feet. Right. Um, and it's just a, the, the interpretation of them are, are very different. But uh, if you are a fan of the New Gods, I do recommend picking up the uh, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps this week. It does reference some of that... Um, I don't remember. I think it was called Godfall, God something, Godsend. Uh, from the New Fifty Two, there was a, a new 50, uh, a new God storyline featuring Orion, and it's referenced briefly uh, because one of the things that Orion is looking for is the White Lantern that helped them during that that uh. storyline. And Kyle Rayner is no longer the White Lantern, but um, it, it is an enjoyable book. So if you're trying to get your New Gods fixed, if you've picked up Mister Miracle, if you're picking up these Jack Kirby books, also pick up Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps number twenty six. Huh? I don't know, Paul. It's good. I don't know. I don't know, Paul. It's good. I, I don't know, Paul. It's good. I don't know, Paul. <laughs> I can do this all day. Yeah. <laughs> just another 45 <laughs> minutes of podcast. So Kyle's just another Green Lantern now, huh? He's back to his uh, 90s costume. The Ooh, crab mask? Like... Yeah. yeah. I did like the 90s costume, but I liked him being something special. He's still special to his mother. Th- that's that's right. That's right. To his ma. Ma! Ma, am I special? <laughs> <laughs> this week, Dan DiDio, um, at a, I guess it was a retailer summit or something, uh-huh. um, Comics Industry website, no, he had an interview uh, with a, a Comics Industry website, ICV2, not familiar with it, uh, and they talked about Dark Matter, the upcoming line of books featuring... Uh, Books written by Scott Snyder, Jeff Lemire, you know, it's kind of their their new DC, I, they're not called Architects, but they're, um, I don't know, there's some freaking name to them. Um, so here, here's what he had to say, which was kind of interesting. 
which is Dark Matter is a huge influx in new characters into the DCU. What we did is we brought top talent on board. We have Jim Lee, Andy Kubert, John Romita Jr., and a lot of key creators are coming on board to help really elevate and draw attention to these new characters because it's so hard to get recognized in a crowded marketplace, so you really need talent to help draw that attention. All these talents are participating in the books, whether that's creator-owned or taking equity positions. They have vested value in participating and helping creating this. If these books win, we all win, which is, I think, the fairest way to approach anything. Um, so it's interesting because it sounds like some of these books are either... I mean, obviously, some of these characters are not created by, you know, a Plastic Man's in there, Mr. Terrific, stuff like that. But I guess some of these new characters that are being created are creator-owned books published by DC. Huh. Um, you know, and, and they also have equity positions in whether these books do well or not. Uh, it's an interesting deal. It, it, it's funny, and I bring it up because historically, it, the, this concept is always an issue in comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going back to the Stan Lee, Jack Kirby days, and probably even prior to that. I mean, certainly with the Siegel and Schuster stuff, right? Uh, and, and Bob Kane and Bill Finger and all that. Uh, equity and ownership of character creation when you're basically a creator for hire at a large conglomerate has always been an issue in in the comic book world. And so it's interesting to see DC put it out there uh, that they are allowing creator-owned deals in regards to something that's genuinely tied into the larger DC universe. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out. Uh, and I'm curious to see if, how these books are going to do. Uh, Metal... I'm jumping ahead because we usually talk about this at the end of the show, but DC's Metal number one comes out next week. Ooh, exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. Also exciting was that this week The Shadow came out from Dynamite Entertainment, um, written by Cy Spurrier, art by Daniel... uh, HDR. HDR. Yeah. And so we were looking forward to this, Aaron. Yeah, you know, I I, I uh, oh, happen to own two or three original pieces from uh, from Daniel. I he's an extremely talented artist, and uh, was was looking forward to, to to this issue of the Shadow. Um, this issue of the Shadow is sort of interesting in that uh, it tells the, the the story is told by a nurse unraveling uh, the full body bandages of someone who has been terribly burned and uh relating a story of when she encountered the shadow when she was in high school during a school shooting you know uh uh, trench coat mafia type kids coming in to shoot up the place uh i dug the story quite a bit um i enjoyed the art i enjoyed the storytelling i was actually uh i was you know the big question you find yourself asking in the book is who is it who is in the bandages and I really was leaning towards that it was one of the bad guys, that it was one of the one of the kids who had shot up the school and uh, was a little surprised when we got to the end of the book. Spoilers um, that it's actually the shadow Lamont Cranston in the bed. So, Paul, what'd you think? I I don't like stuff like this. (laughs) Uh, I I will say I I as much as I have been looking forward to this book, I don't like number one issues where the character is only referenced in a flashback scene and it and and still doesn't make an appearance in the modern day in their own book. It's hap- we've seen it before in books like The Spirit and and right. uh, a couple of other t- types of books. I genuinely don't like first issues that read like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to a certain extent, I didn't 
love this issue. Uh, I, I think there was some interesting uh, aspects to it. I think it's an interesting mystery, but I don't. I would rather this be the second story arc than the first story arc. It, you know, when when I'm thinking a, a new number one issue, uh, you know, of a new Shadow book, I want to see the Shadow being the Shadow. I don't want to see the Shadow with the amnesia in the first issue. You know, spending the f- next five issues trying to remember who he is, because that's you know, that's I, not what the type of Shadow book I want to read. I typically feel the same way, but I felt like we got a lot of the shadow in that that retelling of uh, the circumstance at the high school, you know, the shooting at the high school. So I was very satisfied with the shadow that we got to see, uh, you know, but typically I agree with you. I, I don't want to have to find my, my hero. Right. I want my hero to just be there. Yeah. You know, I want my hero to be front and center. And I'll tell you, I, I can tie this to uh, television this week because the new season of Ray Donovan started on Showtime last Sunday. And that's essentially what they did. You know, they tell you, you know, that they have advanced the story from the end of the prior season. And all of these things have changed in the story. And now you've got to figure out why they changed. And that drives me crazy. Don't make me you know, search for your drama, (laughs) you know, uh, I want the drama provided to me. I don't want, I, I, I don't mind solving a mystery, but let's not make the mystery. Well, why the hell did these things happen when I've been watching this, this, uh, story for season after season and you just decided to advance the story several months, you know, that I, I find that frustrating as a, as a viewer. Um, I was not frustrated by that here though. I wasn't frustrated by it, but I just, it wasn't, and, and the flashback sequence was fine. It was a little heavy-handed. I will say the storytelling, uh, as much as I've enjoyed the, the interpretation of the Shadow in the pages of the Batman-Shadow crossover, which we're going to talk about here in a second, um, I you know there, there was a, a lot of heavy-handedness with the, the references to Trump and the fake news and the celebrities and yada, yada, yada. There, there were a couple pages where it got a little preachy to me and kind of took me out of the story. And I think that's the narrator that we got, but I don't know. I didn't love this book, Aaron, and I don't know that there was enough there to draw me into an issue two. Really? Well, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. I am in for issue two, though I will say I was a little disturbed when she started uh, removing the bandages around his naughty bits. Well, he did, she did say it wasn't the first junk she'd seen, and it looked like an old guy's junk. Yeah. yeah. She, she did say that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, at, at the end of the book, they actually have uh, on their Dynamite Dispatch page, uh, you know, which has an ad for next issue, that there's another Shadow Batman crossover coming. So I guess DC is currently publishing Batman and the Shadow, which is, you know, the Scott Snyder, Steve Orlando, um, Riley Rosmo book. It looks like now Steve Orlando is going solo uh, and writing uh, a book published by Dynamite with art by Giovanni Timpano. And so it, it's kind of like the old days of where you would have uh, a crossover of Batman meets Spider-Man, and then Marvel would publish Spider-Man meets Batman. Uh, so it looks like we're going to get another Shadow Batman crossover from the same one of the writers that, that we have enjoyed. And so I'm kind of looking forward to this book, <laughs> this, yeah. this Shadow book. Yeah, excellent and it has Professor Pig, which seems like a perfect foil for uh, the Shadow. I like Professor uh, Pig. I hate Professor Pig. I like him. Largely because I'm keeping kosher. <laughs> he's, he's the unclean meat. That's right. That's right. 
So, Paul, Detective Comics came out this week, issue 962. Yep. Um, And, uh, you know, wraps up the storyline that we have enjoyed so much with uh, Azrael. And so underneath two glorious covers, (laughs) one by Yasmin Putri and the other one by Rafael Albuquerque, designed after uh, an old Mike Mignola piece. Right. We have gorgeous art from Alvaro Martinez. And I know I said it every issue, but DC, this is DC's answer to Stuart Amonin. They, yeah. they need to hold on to this guy tight. Yeah, he, 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 is, he is drawing some beautiful pages. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I talked about this last issue and we got to see it in this issue. Azrael in the Batman armor. Uh-huh. Hell yes. <laughs> and it was so totally the same. They, they didn't even... I'm, I'm assuming there were probably some upgrades, but it looked the exact same. To me, yeah, it was just it was just drawn better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I miss those Jim Aparo, uh, that Jim Aparo art. Uh huh. <laughs> well, and I thought they tied in the B story between Bruce and Zatanna beautifully into the A story. Yes. You know, I just I I I thought that was great. Um, the inner conflict between Azrael and the AI is also I thought resolved really well. Um, I, I, this book was just fantastic. I, you know, for someone, as I've said before, really don't care for Azrael. I really love the way he is being portrayed in the pages of detective comics. Yeah. I mean, it seems like he's been taken off of the, off of the, the, you know, the, the playing field for a little while, at least at the end of this issue. I mean, probably just a couple of issues, maybe the next storyline, that kind of thing. But I, I, I do think it's interesting that I, if I remember correctly, it was, the last storyline they referenced Ra's al Ghul, and he's getting re-referenced again. So they're clearly building to a Ra's al Ghul storyline, which makes me happy. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, that the yeah the the Ra's al Ghul cameo. You're like, oh, oh crap, <laughs> stuff's about to go down. But I I, I usually enjoy Ra's al Ghul in in uh, the Batman books, so uh, kind of looking forward to that. And it, I also really enjoyed that moment. Where, uh, you know, Zaytana first pops in and starts, you know, disarming the uh, the Batman armors that uh-huh. that uh, Ascalon has taken over. Ascalon, right? Yes. Um, and she looks out the window and sees all that, and she just murmurs, "I want to marry her." <laughs> <laughs> and, and Batgirl just says, "Yes." Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got a crush on Zaytana in this issue. Well, and why wouldn't you? Uh, she's why- hot. Yeah. And uh, I, I also like that now Batman has found out that Timothy Drake is indeed alive. Yeah, that was that, that, was that holy crap moment that I texted to you earlier in the week, Paul. Yeah. Uh, I was not expecting that to occur in the pages of this book. And uh, when he revealed that, uh, I, I, it startled the hell out of me. Yeah. It was, it was it was a perfect moment to end yeah. the storyline. You know, we've got DC Metal coming up, and I'm pretty sure that has nothing to do with that storyline. But obviously, Doomsday Clock coming up, I believe, in November. Uh, so we're, we're we're starting starting the build up to the to the conclusion of that storyline that started at the beginning of DC Rebirth. Yeah, I, I got to say that this this arc on Detective Comics was just fantastic. I big thumbs up for me. Agreed. It, the story was well told, well paced, had great stakes, and the art was just amazing. 
yeah. and just pays off everything that they that they laid down on Azrael earlier on in Detective Comics. So I'm I, I am super pleased with this storyline. I will tell you, I know that, you know, this year we have two big DC events. We've got Metal, drawn by Greg Capullo. We've got Doomsday Clock, drawn by Gary Frank. Whenever, whatever the next DC event is, Alvaro Martinez, I, he is just, I mean, this is a team book with yeah. high stakes, you know, blockbuster action, cityscapes. You know, they, they go into Vegas and there are giant explosions and Gotham City and everything. And he, it is it feels like an event book with and it's it's a biweekly detective comics book. You know, it's yeah, it is just a glorious piece of art. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more from that artist. Yeah, it's good stuff. So one thing I want to mention is that Bat- the first episode of Batman The Enemy Within is out now. Um, so uh, a couple of years back, there was a, a game released on uh, PC, PlayStation, Xbox called Batman The Telltale Series. And it was released in five story segments, each lasting about an hour or two. You can probably buy it for relatively cheap, all five segments for probably 20 bucks. Uh, but it was it was episodic. And so what would happen is let's say you played episode one and decisions you made in episode one would influence the story from then on out. So for example, uh, when you played as Bruce Wayne, if you took a meeting with a gangster, then in the next episode, you would find out that Gotham city has kind of wondered what's going on between you and that gangster. Um, you know, if you, it's very early on in Bruce's career and, uh, you know, if you, depending on the decisions you make in regards to like the Joker or Catwoman, will affect how they treat you later on in the story. And so it, it is a really, really well done series. Totally recommend buying it. If you are not much of a gamer, I will tell you it is a story based game. Um, so it's almost like uh, it's almost like I don't want to say it's like Dragon's Lair because it's, it, they, there are aspects of it that are like Dragon's Lair with the quick time actions. But a lot of it is choices like do you go left? Do you go right? Do you say this? Do you say that? That kind of thing. Um, it's almost like, a you know, an interactive movie and Again, with an, it could, you can probably knock it out in like six to eight hours. Uh, and so they have a sequel now uh, called Batman the Enemy Within that's out. Uh, came out The first episode came out this week. I believe it comes out physically in physical media, probably October, November time frame. Is but, this also made by Telltale then? Yes, this is also made by Telltale. Uh, Telltale being, if you're not familiar with Telltale, um, it was a, a company started by some folks who actually used to work at LucasArts. Um, not LucasArts, Lucas... Yeah, LucasArts was the game company, I think. Um, And so folks who worked on Monkey Island and Full Throttle and... um, Full Throttle. (laughs) Grim Fandango and, and, uh, you know, Maniac Mansion, games like that, has now started their own company, Telltale Games. Yeah, the first game by them I played was uh, Strong Bad's game for super awesome people. Based on the the webcomic series from a website called Homestar Runner. And I've loved every Telltale game I've played. I like that kind of adventure-type game. I like the the choices and story-driven aspect of it. Definitely not really action games. No, I mean they're not. It, it they they are, but they so they are games that you can enjoy even if you're not someone who is good or coordinated or, you know, at learning controls or intricate games. They, they, they are kind of like those old school point and click games, just modern modernized. So lots of fun. They, they have a walking dead series as well. That's really popular. I believe they have one based on fables. 
uh, Jurassic Park. Um, they have a couple different uh, things, uh, but recommend checking out Batman the Telltale series. And I'm going to be picking up Batman the Enemy Within, but I'm going to wait until it is released in physical media. Just because for my games, I prefer to buy them physically. I don't know. For me, it's uh, I don't want to just download a couple of gig game onto my uh, hard drive. I like to have the physical media just in case. So physical media. Physical media. Uh huh. I see. Uh-huh. I see. Let's. All right then. Physical. <laughs> so that'll that'll come in like a cartridge for your uh, Atari twenty three hundred. Is is that what I understand? Yeah. Yeah. You just plug it in. Plug and play. Yeah, because like most of those games, the Telltale ones, I've tended to buy on Steam and play on computer. And if it comes out on physical media, I don't have a DVD drive on my laptop anymore. Uh, mm. Yeah, that's true. We should, hey, drinking game, every time we say physical media, take a shot. <laughs> well, I tell you, for that very reason, I bought an external uh, uh, disc reader for my for my laptop. Yeah, I've got a bunch of those because I'm in IT and I've just always had them. External burners, external readers. And I don't use them because I don't want the physical media when it comes to computer stuff. I want to be able to download it. I've got a rather sizable uh, music collection on disc and I don't want to discard my my discs. I've ripped them all, but I don't want to discard my discs because, uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen to your hard drive. And uh, so, I mean, you know, and I also find new stuff at the uh, used bookstore. So every now and again to the cloud, the cloud will never go away. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Just like my old site never went away. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, iomgeek.com. Go now. That's right. That's right. Uh, Paul. Yes, sir. I know metal's coming out next week but what else is coming out yes dc metal or dark knights metal comes out next week issue number one it is a 499 book just a warning um also the war of jokes and riddles continues in the pages of batman issue number 29 such a good read such a good read from also from dc comics there is a new future quest book coming out of one shot i believe uh written by jeff parker art by ariel olivetti um that is a, Mm. a space ghost uh, Ooh. Ooh, I'm down. Yeah, so I'm 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 definitely interested in that. Uh, if you are reading Invincible, the uh, the end of all things continues in the pages of Invincible number one thirty nine from Marvel Comics. We have the newest issue of the Mighty Thor, uh, continuing oh. the the Ultimate Thor storyline. War Thor. War Thor. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's the Ultimates number one hundred comes out. Uh, which I guess, you know, they've combined all the issues of the various Ultimates series. And, uh, you know, now now we're at the Ultimates number 100, which apparently features the return of the original Ultimates, which I'm not entirely sure how that works. Yeah, I saw I saw that as well. But I just want to say that numbering is some bullshit, Paul. Yeah, it's it always bullshit. is. It's yeah. Marvel fuzzy math. Yeah. They want a big anniversary issue. They'll find a way to make the numbering work. And it's some bullshit. Yeah. All that plus more, including new issues of Superman and Batman and Super Sons and 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 uh, the the Jack Kirby 100 special is the Sandman special, written by Dan Jurgens and Steve Orlando, art by John Bogdanov and Rick Leonardi. So Ooh. even though I am not necessarily the, the uh, a big Sandman Jack Kirby yeah. Sandman fan, wow, I have Dan- not seen John Bogdanov do a you know in uh, a book in a long time, and I would love to. Dan Jurgens writing a Sandman story, yeah. 
I might have to pick that up. Yeah, that's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I'm excited, Paul. August is a good month for comics. It is. It is. And, you know, yeah. that's I, I, it's not until August 30th. They're making me goddamn wait for this Dark Side special from <laughs> Scott Collins and Phil Hester and Mark Evanier and Sam Humphreys and Paul Levitz and Steve Rude. It's going to be so hot. Oh, it's going to be so hot. Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. All right, guys. Well, we love your feedback, so please give us a shout at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, is 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Please make sure you've updated your RSS feeds and check out iomgeek.com. You guys have a great week. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.